All right. He's got me muted. He's got me muted still. Good. Good morning. Good morning. All right. There we go. Uh, so it wouldn't be dirty if we didn't have some type of technical difficulties. So uh, we are so glad you guys are here with us. If you're new, we're especially glad you guys are visiting with us. Uh, it's kind of a big deal for us. So last year we turned 10, which is a big deal in church planning world. Uh, only like 30 or 40% of churches that get started and make it uh, past the 10-year mark. And then COVID happened, and that was fun. And so we decided this year we're going to celebrate some more. And so on your way out, we have cupcakes and cake and cookies and helium balloons uh, for you and your kids. And so make sure and just have some fun. We think church should be fun, um, and so we like to have some fun and celebrate. So uh, a couple of things before we get started. Uh, download the app if you haven't. It's the best way to stay connected to everything going on at Journey. It's the best way to give as well. As you guys know, we don't pass plates around here. We never will, but we do, as an organization, depend on you and your generosity uh, to exist, and so do that. Uh, the new podcast is out. We had a lot of fun with it this week. We talked about some weird stuff, as we always do. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy those podcasts. It's called Divinely Uninspired. We have a ton of fun making it, uh, and so I hope you guys are enjoying that as well. Now, uh, it is our anniversary birthday. I don't know what you call it because we weren't birthed. Um, but we kind of were, but I don't know. So we're here and we're going to celebrate, but we're also in this series called Gratitude, um, or called Greater, and we're going to talk a little bit about gratitude today, because what we're going to do today is talk about the lessons that I've kind of learned over the past 11 years. And for you guys that don't know our story, uh, we started with 20 people, including children. Uh, the Wingfields did not have 10 kids at the time yet, so it was just a few of us. But uh, we started in the library right across the street over there. We eventually moved to Shepherdsville Elementary, eventually outgrew that. We took over this warehouse room by room. Uh, this used to be a big furniture warehouse. Most of you guys probably remember that. Uh, we took it over room by room over the past several years until we are here today. And so it's been kind of a weird journey. It's been kind of wild at times. Uh, and you guys are all a part of that. Um, and, and so we are so grateful that you are here. Uh, and for the people that are watching online that have been a part of this story so far, we're so grateful for you guys as well. Now, there is a scene that I love that is painted in the Gospels. Um, and Jesus looks at a ragtag group of guys. And this is true. We often think of the disciples and we put a lot of respect to their name, as we should. Um, but these, for the most part, were kind of nobodies. Um, this was a ragtag group of guys, and he looks at these group of guys that are eventually going to go on to change the world to the point that 2,000 years later, a group of Gentiles in Shepherdsville, Kentucky are going to be gathered in a room or watching online, and there's going to be people all over the world celebrating what Jesus is about to tell these guys. And what he tells them is that upon this rock, okay, this truth, um, that he is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he's going to do, that he's going to build his church, which is us. We are a church. Now, we are not the church. Uh, we are part of the church. We are a body of believers. And he says this about the church. And then he says this amazing thing. He says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so they're using this imagery, and they're thinking of like the most worst thing that could possibly exist, and what else could be worse than the gates of hell, that even the worst things that can come against the church will not be able to stand against it. Now, this is really good news for us, and for 2,000 years, we've been seeing that. I mean, the fact that we've talked about before that even the message of Jesus made it out of this 70-mile region that he kind of traveled in is amazing, but to the point that it's changed the world to where we're, we are here today. But he also says something else about the church that, that's amazing to me, and, and we're going to talk about this more in a couple of weeks, but there's this verse that not a lot of us know, and it's in John 14, and it's verse 12, and he looks at his disciples, and he tells them, because he's about to leave and go to the Father, and he says, 
it's better for me to leave. And then he looks at these group of guys and he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will not only do the same things that I've done, but will go on to do even greater things. Now, when, I, when you read that, and we're going to talk about it, like I said, in, in two weeks, um, what's amazing about that is when we think about all of the amazing things that Jesus did, right? I mean, think about all that he did. And he looks at this group of guys, and he tells them that you're going to go on to do greater things. But he's not just talking to this group of guys. He's also talking to the future church. And he's telling us that we're going to go on to do greater things. So what I want to do is spend some time today talking about the last 10 years and the lessons that I've learned and hopefully that we've learned as as we kind of tag on to this mission that Jesus has to change the world, but to also encourage us and to believe. And this is what's amazing, is that we so often realize that we believe in Jesus, but also this amazing message that Jesus believes in us, that we can actually do great things. So where I want to start is this. So the past 11 years, um, I have learned, not only because of this church, but also just in life, that we all have so much to be grateful for, right? We are grateful for every person that, that's walked in these doors over the past 11 years. We're grateful for the, the kids, people in the back right now that don't get to be in here because they're working with your kids. We're grateful for the ladies that make coffee every morning. We're grateful for the people that get the parking lot, as terrible as it is, ready for you guys every Sunday. We're grateful for all of it. We're grateful for the experiences. And, and then in my own life, what I've learned over the last 11 years is how grateful I have just to be alive and get to live the life that I get to live. And I hope that you feel that as well for yourselves. But it got me thinking, it's interesting that we have so much to be grateful for, yet at the same time, we are also so ungrateful, right? You ever feel that tension? We've talked about tension before. And it's a little bit odd. I've learned that as myself, and I can only speak of myself, but I think it's true of you too. um, We are deeply complicated, fractured clods of dirt, aren't we? right? We, we are very interesting. And I know that we have so much to be thankful for, not just as a church, but also as individuals. We've been given so much, so much love, so much grace, the breath that we all just took, right? There's this great quote by Thomas Merton, and you may not be familiar with Thomas Merton, but he said some pretty amazing things. And here's one of the most amazing things he said. He said this, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given us. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of his existence is of, for, of grace, for it brings with it immense graces from him. Gratitude, therefore, takes nothing for granted, is never unresponsive, is constantly awakening to the new wonder and to the praise of the goodness of God. For the grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference. Now, we're going to do something here for a second, and um, my wife is a wonderful person. She is a much better human being than I am, and I can say that. Anybody that knows my wife knows this is true. Uh, But my wife constantly wants our family to talk about all of the things that we're thankful for, because the temptation is if we don't talk about these things, then we can forget, okay? And so here's what I want to do, and you're going to hate this, I know, but it's going to be okay. Um, We're going to take about 30 seconds. And I want you to turn to somebody, and I want you, hopefully somebody you know a little bit, and just talk about the things you're grateful for. Now, if you're not sitting by somebody, you can just do this amongst yourselves and just kind of think about it. And let me, before we do this experiment, let me tell you the story I've told you guys a few times before. Um, 
there was a time I didn't want to do something, and then I did it, and everything turned out okay, all right? And so it's a true story. So here's what I want for you guys. I want you to take just 30 seconds, and I just want you to turn to somebody and just tell them the things that you have to be grateful for in life and go. All right, that's enough cheer. Stop it. All right. Now, here's the truth. When you take time to actually vocalize it, don't you just feel better? Doesn't it make you feel better? I mean, all of us, we've been given so much. We have so much to be grateful for. There's this great verse that, that, that James gives us, and he says this in James chapter 1. He says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. Now, I want to leave this verse up here for, for a minute because this verse has become really important to me because it's true that every good and get perfect gift we have is a gift. It's a gift that we've been given. But I think the tension that we live in is this. We, we know this is true, but our temptation is always to focus on the shifting shadows, isn't it? It's never to focus on the goodness. It's never to focus on the goodness of God and the gifts that we've been given. Too many times our attention goes towards the shifting shadows, the circumstances in life, the hardships in life, the hard things. May we always remember that the God who gives us the good gifts. The other thing is this. When we think about this, what we actually talk about and what we say we believe is this, is we believe that there's a God who is a holy God who created and sustains all things which is pretty amazing. But not only does this God create and give us all of these good things and sustain all of these good things, but we actually believe that this God wants a relationship with you and has gone to the extreme of giving of himself to make sure that we can have that. We talked about the cross last week, but there's this great line in Philippians where Paul says this, that Jesus emptied himself of himself, which means he fully gave of himself to make sure that you and I had the opportunity to have this relationship. This is good news, that we can have hope and that there is possible restoration in this world. Now, if this is good news, if this is true, then what a blessing we have. And so the question is, if we have so much to be grateful for, and we can vocalize those things, even in uncomfortable experiences that make people make us do, and then we realize at the end of the day that we have this faith that God who creates and sustains all things believes in us, but also is giving to us, the question still comes to mind is, why are we so ungrateful? And the reason is, is that we are prone to forget. Now, it's interesting to me when I read the Bible, and I hope that you take time to read the Bible, but, but as you read the Bible from cover to cover, from beginning to end, or even just take time to read chapters or verses or, or different letters that are written or different stories that we see, what you often will realize is that it seems to be very repetitive. 
There, there's a lot of the same lessons that are just taught over and over and over again. And there's a lot of the same phrases and ideas that are taught over and over and over again. And this is intentional. Because just as we are creatures prone to forget, we're not the first ones. You'll see often in the Old Testament, especially verses like this, where it says, the God who, and then it'll tell them all the things that God has done for them. Or the God of, and it reminds them of all of the stories of the people that came before them and how God has been faithful. Because they forgot and we forget. The other thing about it is this, is sometimes when we're going through these seasons that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is we get the blinders on, right? And what happens is sometimes when the shifting shadows come into our lives, the blinders come on and all we can see is the problem. Our world immediately shrinks down to that situation, the issue right in front of us. We can't see anything else. We can't imagine anything else. We can't see all the things that we actually have to celebrate or the things that we have to be grateful before. We can't remember all of the times before that God has brought us through. We do this all the time. And some of us are going through this right now, aren't we? We're going through this season where the blonders are on, where the shifting shadows seem to be all around us. I mean, just in general, I mean, we talked about this. The last couple of years, it's been insane. I mean, even as an organization, I mean, we don't, we don't get into this very often, but, but as journey, I mean, you know, last March, you know, we're having three packed services, almost a thousand people are attending every single week. And then COVID hits and conversations start to be had about what we're going to do and how we're going to respond. It's been hard on our staff. It's been hard on me as we've tried to rebuild from this craziness that still seems to be going on. And sometimes, if I'm honest, it's been hard to be grateful. And that's just from an organizational standpoint. I mean, but for us as individuals, I mean, there's been a lot of tragedy happening in a lot of our lives over the last year. There's been a lot of hardships, a lot of broken relationships. And so what happens is that somebody gets on a stage like me and they tell us, well, you should be remember all the things you have to be grateful for. And your response is, if we're honest, is, well, I don't feel very grateful, do you? Things aren't working out the way we wanted. There's this interesting verse that Paul gives us in 1 Thessalonians, and it says this. Always be joyful, which to some of you, you're like, that's stupid, all right? Um, But the idea behind joyful is to be filled with hope. And then he says this, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to the church. So this is us. He's talking to us. Now, I want to leave that up there for a second because I want to make a very important distinction. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. He doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances, right? It's a big distinction. See, nobody's thankful for the bad day. Nobody's thankful for the cancer. Nobody's thankful for being passed over at work. Nobody's thankful for losing their job. No one's thankful for the financial hardships. No one's thankful for the complicated relationship. No one's thankful for that hard family situation. But what he says is it's possible to be thankful not for, but rather in those circumstances. Giving thanks in those circumstances shows that you have a heart of faith that God is bigger than your difficulty that you face. And that he can even use those situations that you're going through. 
See, we have to remember that with God, nothing is ever wasted. Which sounds insensitive when you're going through it. But the reality is, is there's many people that could get up here, and we should do this probably some week, where get up here and people tell the story of how they intersected in their life with these hard circumstances, these shifting shadows, and they were not grateful for them. But in those circumstances and out of those circumstances, their life was changed and it was changed for the better. See, we all want mountaintop experiences, but we have to walk through the valley. There's this famous verse that many of us know. In fact, it's preached at most funerals that I've been a part of. And it says this, as I walk through the valley, you guys know it, the shadow of death in Psalm 23. Now, what's interesting to me is this. Notice that he says, as I walk through the valley. Walking is active. He doesn't say, as you lay down in the valley, does he? Because see, that's the temptation, isn't it? When we're going through these hard things in this life, when we're going through things that aren't the way that we had planned it, when we're going through these hard circumstances, for a lot of us, well, you know what we do? We get in the valley and we lay down and we just stay there and we turn into Eeyore. Remember Eeyore, right? That was a good impression. Never did that. We stay there, but we were never meant to stay there right? That's not where God wants you to live. That is not where you're meant to live. You may have to walk through it, but you're not meant to stay there. And then the great promise comes right after that, because he also says this. He says, what does he say next? But you are with me. See, that's his promise, is that you may have to walk through some of this stuff, but he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not abandon you. And he wants us to remember the things he's brought us through, what he's given, what he's doing around us. I get to preach a lot of funerals, which is not my favorite part of my job. But but one of the things that often remind people when I go through funerals is just how precious life is and how important life is. And, you know, when I go see people in the hospital and many of you guys this last year with COVID, if you've been through it, I mean, you've, you've gone through the ringer physically or you know people that physically and sometimes we don't realize how precious the breath we just took was until we realized we almost didn't have one. And so we may have to walk through the valley at times, but it's a walk, and he's with us. The other thing that I've learned is this, is your circumstance in life may change, but who God is and his love does not. And I've learned that over and over and over, which is why gratitude, as we talked about, is so central to the life that God has made for us. See, until we can center ourselves on what we do have, on what God has done for us, on the life we get to live, until we can center ourselves around that, here's what's going to happen. You're constantly going to be looking for another life. You'll never be content. You'll never be happy. This is why the Bible says, I think so often says, remember. God wants people to remember where they've been and what they've seen and what they've done. And if we stop remembering, we may forget. And when we forget how good life can actually be, that's when the trouble comes, doesn't it? So we have to remember to be filled with gratefulness. 
that this life is a gift, that it's a blessing that we've been given. Now, here's the other side of that coin, though, is that with this gift we've been given comes responsibility. We've talked about just a few weeks ago personal rights over personal responsibility. We are, we are given rights, but with those rights come responsibility. Our responsibility as people, as a church, to be kind to each other. Our responsibility to respect each other. See, character, Christian character is not about how you treat the people who think like you and believe like you. I mean, that's easy. Or who you get along with. The mark of character that we're called to in Christ is about how we treat those who we profoundly disagree. See, see, I was taught, and I realize that it sounds really naive, and I get that, but I was taught that all people had value and worth because they were created in the image of God. And because Jesus tells me that they're my neighbor. And the other thing is this, is that we've established that we all have something to be grateful for. We've also established that life can be hard and that there's valleys we have to go through. And, and here's what I also know is those people also go through valleys and hardships. And we're called to love them and to walk beside them, even if it's difficult. See, the thing that I'm learning the most about following Christ is this, and I hope that you've joined me in this journey the last 11 years, is this, that when it comes to following Jesus, it's not what I can get, it's what I can give. See, we all came into this world with nothing, and unfortunately, we will all leave with nothing, except for the love that we've had, the love that we've given, and the love that we've received. Everything else in life, everything in the middle, listen, everything that we work so hard for, everything that we ascribe to, everything that we try to achieve, everything in the middle is temporary. It's a gift, but it's temporary. And at the end of the day, life comes down to not what you get, but what you give. It's about what you do with what you've been given. So this is our responsibility, not just as individuals, but as a community. So let me change from the idea of us as individuals to us as a community. See, we are a part of the body of Christ. And what has happened over the last 11 years is really amazing. It really has been. Um, we've been blessed. We've been blessed because of God, what God has been able to do with us and through us. The other thing that we realize is that we've been given so much opportunity. We've been given so much opportunity to make a difference in our community. We've been given so much of an opportunity to make a difference in our schools. We've been given so much of an opportunity to, to make a difference in this county and the ideas and the way people think about life. We have so much to be grateful for, but we also have a responsibility as a church to continue, to not give up hope even when it gets tough. To not give up hope even when a pandemic comes in and cuts our church in half, but to keep imagining. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians chapter 3, and it says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, which is this good news, and what this is saying is, as much as we can imagine as a church what God could do with us, listen, God can imagine more. 
Now to him is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us, which means that God is working in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, here's what we're doing here. We're contributing to the story that's been going on for a while. And we're contributing to this story that's going to go on, has gone on before us and will go on after us. See, here's what's so cool about what's happened the last 11 years. We have established something in this community. And for many of you, we've established something in your family's life, the generations and generations. See, some of you, before you came here, you weren't followers of Jesus. And because of your choice not to come to Journey, but to follow Jesus, you have changed possibly generations within your family. What's so cool about the church, and especially what's so cool about being the beginning of the start of a church, which we're 11 years in, and some of you are like, well, we missed the boat. We're just getting started. We're still infants. I promise you that, all right? Nathan just used a helium balloon to open the service. We're still learning, okay? <laughs> but here's, here's, here's what's so cool. In my lifetime, I hope I never see what this church fully becomes, that we have partnered with God in starting something that will outlive every single one of us in this room. Your kids will be the beneficiaries of what we're doing right now. The next great leader of this church might be back there pooping and peeing all over himself <laughs> right at this very minute. And so we're grateful and even though it's been hard, we press on. See, none of us knows what hangs in the balance of our willingness to give, to give of yourselves, to give of your resources, to give of your time. You are the body of Christ. Now, there's a lot that gets made about people like me who come up on stages and get to talk for a little bit. There's a lot that's made about people that, that start churches. Listen, this is nothing. See, the gift that I've been given to communicate to you guys, okay, means nothing without you all. All it is is me talking to a wall if you're not here. And the words that I say mean nothing unless we do something with them. We need you as the community, as the body, to take the gifts and abilities and talents that you've been given and to take it into the world. We are the body of Christ. We are a gift given to the world to make a difference in this community, to offer hope, to give grace and mercy in a world that is so desperately in need for it. That is our responsibility. The other thing I think it's so cool about church is this. We are all very different. I mean, we're from Bullock County, so we're not that different, but we're, we're different. I mean, we come from different backgrounds, different social economic. We've had different educations. We have different ideas about which sport teams are better. We have different ideas about what politics we're going to follow. We have different ideas about all of those things. But what's so amazing about the church is I'm actually very grateful for that. See, we live in a world where everywhere else our differences are used to try to separate us. But in here, it's different. See, culture tries to divide us in a thousand different ways. 
But church is the place where people who often have nothing in common come together and now have something in common. There's a thousand forces. The entropy is overwhelming of things trying to separate us. But when it comes to the church, there's something that unites us. See, see, one of my favorite things about church is this, and why I think you should be at church every week, even if you don't want to be, is this. There's two things that we get to do every single week, and it's not listen to me, okay? Those aren't the important things. But there's two very important things we get to do every single week. And the first one is this word that you're probably not familiar with, but it's the word Eucharist. We call it communion. Essentially, the word Eucharist means the good gift. And so what we do is we gather together and we take some bread and some wine, or in our circumstances, a tasteless wafer and a shot of old grape juice, right? But it's not, it's, not, it's not what you're using that matters. It's the intentionality behind it. That on a regular basis, with all of the things that try to separate us, and with all of the differences, and here you go, with all of the hardships, we get together and we say, broken body, blood poured out for us. And we take the little cracker, and we take the juice, and we remember the hope that we have and the thing that brings us together. The other thing that we get to do every single week is worship. Now, I am not a singer, and I cannot sing, and you do not want me to sing. But I do love worship. And one of the reasons I love worship is there's this thing called resonant interval. Now, you've probably never heard of this, but it's this, this simple idea. See, there's a powerful thing that happens when we line up our physicality. And re- resonant interval comes from when they, they studied monks chanting years ago. And they found that there was this, this powerful thing when these monks got together and they were chanting and their voices were united. See, most of us live our lives at a fast pace. We're going over 100 miles an hour all over the place, right? We come from different places. We have different stories, different opinions on different things, which leads that we live mass lives of individualism. In other words, we're out of sync as people. We are. We're out of sync with our families. We're out of sync with our community. We're out of sync with our neighbors. We're out of sync. But every single week, we get this opportunity to come together. And see, when we're singing, we're singing words on a screen And there's musicians that are keeping a beat and keeping us together, which means ideally we're singing at the same time, we're breathing at the same time, which means maybe for the first time all week long, we're in sync. And if we're singing a song together, then we're all stopping at the same time and we're starting at the same time. And there's this sense of solidarity. What happens is we start to do this together. Even as we come from all different backgrounds with all different stories, we get together on a regular basis and we breathe in and we breathe out and we pause and we sing and we whisper together. So every week we get to do two really cool things. We get to take a moment and realize what brings us together, and then we get to actively participate in it by singing. And if we can do that, what else can we do? 
If we can come together in those moments, what else can we do? If we can come together for a few minutes and affirm hope and life and resurrection and that Jesus is Lord and forgiveness is real and there is a kingdom that is changing this world, then the question has to be asked, what else can we do? In a world of division, in a world that separates us, in a world of anxiousness and anxiety, in a world of thoughtlessness, in a world lacking grace, we are the body of Christ given to the world, and we come together every week, and we celebrate that, and for just a few moments, we come together, and we walk beside each other, and we pray for each other. And so we have this moment where we break bread and and we sing together. And we're about to go into a time of of doing that where we break bread or this cheapless, tasteless wafer that we have to use for the meantime, but we do it together and we sing together and we sing about the greatness of God and we show our gratitude for all that he has done and that even though some of us are walking through the valley right in this moment, that he's with us. Now, one last word and I'll be done. Some of you in this room, you are so desperate for relationship and community. And for some of us, we came limping in. And if that's you, you need to know that you are here and you are loved. In fact, you are loved more than you could ever imagine. And not some future version of you, you are loved here and now. We believe it's not the steps that you've taken to get here, but it's the next step you take that's the most important. And we believe that there is a God who is the giver of all good and perfect gifts, and he is not far. When I talk to people sometimes when they're thinking about change in their life, they often expect God to shout, to scream. You're waiting for that moment, right, where God just screams. What's fascinating to me is often in the Bible we see God's voice as a whisper. We expect God to yell at us, but he actually comes across as a whisper. And it got me thinking. Do you know when you whisper to somebody, not when you're far away, but when you're close? And so maybe if God is whispering to you right now, he's actually closer than he's ever been. And we would love to help you with that next step. We believe it's baptism, to put your trust in him. So here's what's going to happen as we close out. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to take some communion together. And maybe for some of you, this is the day you take that step towards Christ. Let's pray.